0: They want to be smoking like an Emerald Cup judge, they should be looking for high terpene levels.
1: Welcome to Far North Toker. This is episode 71, November 26th, 2017, with your host, Mid Toker. Thank you all for listening. Steep Hill, Alaska. Brian Coyle, Tim Hinterberger. Mmm. Good show today they came in to talk about standardizing testing two companies a lot of times that is going to be black and white adversarial we got another one coming in it's gonna help some things kind of looking at how the lower 48's doing stuff Standardize. they are consumer advocates making sure what is set on the label is what we are getting as cannabis consumers They talk a lot about enforcement, or lack thereof. Doesn't matter what kind of regulations you have if you're not gonna enforce anything, right? Once again, thank you, Brian Coyle, Tim Hinterberger of Steep Hill, Alaska. Let's give it to them. Hey, Brian.
2: Yes. I'm here with uh, my partner, Tim Hinterberger. Hello.
1: Hey, Tim Hinterberger. Welcome to Far North Tokers. Thanks for calling me.
0: Yeah, thanks for inviting us. Why
1: don't we get started with talking about what you guys were doing uh, right around Ballot Measure uh, 2, 2014. What was going on then with you guys?
0: Um, You know, we had uh, a lot of people involved in the ballot measure. We had... uh, people from ACLU involved, we had people from the Marijuana Policy Project and a lot of us local people who had been working on it for years uh, come together to craft some language uh, mostly based on what had been passed in Colorado um, to legalize cannabis in Alaska and most importantly establish regulations for the production and sale. I volunteered to chair the uh, campaign committee and we're, uh, with the help of thousands and thousands of Alaskans, we got it to pass.
1: Oh, great. I didn't know you were that deeply involved. So, you were an activist from the beginning. I've been an activist for a long time, yeah.
0: I was, you know, there were, I don't know how long you've been following this, but in Alaska, there were uh, legalization campaigns in 2000 and 2004. I was in, uh, less involved in those, but somewhat involved in the 2004 one. And after, you know, we got like, something like 44% of the vote in 2004 and um, just sat back for a while and uh, waited a few years. And seems like the climate improved for it.
1: It sure took a long time, though, didn't it? I mean, 2004 okay. to 2014.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've been working on this for decades.
1: But it surprisingly it, it, sooner than I would have thought when I'm looking back on my life thinking when I was younger. Thinking legalization, I'd be living in a state where it was legal. What a time! Yeah, I know. Well, you know,
0: a lot of us thought it was going to get legal back in the Carter administration, but
1: wow, I was just born then. (laughs) Brian.
0: Yep. Well, I was doing something completely
2: different. I uh, I moved up here in 2008 on a a National Science Foundation project, doing earthquake and volcano research. Uh, Worked on that for about five, six years, uh, until the contracts ended. And, uh, my background is, is, physics, geophysics primarily, and, uh, also hydrogeological engineering. And so I was not involved with, the uh, cannabis industry in any sh- way, shape or form until after it got legalized, I, I decided to try it, uh, see how it would help with my arthritis pain, finding out that that actually uh made quite a difference was a big uh big plus over vicodin and uh, made me renewed my interest uh in in seeing this uh, legal industry succeed and uh so I got the idea to to go into the testing side of it
1: you guys had to be when did you decide to go on testing right when it was legal like 2014, it gets legal, and you're like, okay, I think I can do this?
2: Yeah, yeah, early early 15, I guess it was. Six? No, actually, it was a year later.
1: And, and following it myself, I've been following it really close since the 2014 ballot. I've been up here since 99, so I was voting yes in 2004. I couldn't believe I was driving around 2004 and did not have access to cannabis when I thought it might be legalized then. Because there was no talk of uh, stores at that time. Oh
0: no no, that wasn't part of the uh, the plan back then. Um, yeah the, the whole notion of what should be involved in a regulated industry really you know progressed more with uh, once Colorado got their system all set up. and of course they had the, the advantage of building on their medical uh, dispensary system, which had been in operation for a long time before they got the non-medical which, of course, is mm. something we don't have up here, and so we're kind of doing everything from, from scratch right. with a lot a lot fewer... Um, well, patient advocacy involved. groups, too. Yeah, that's right. right. There's another thing that we don't have up here is any organized patient advocacy groups or, or consumer groups of any kind. Right.
1: Is that is that happening in Colorado?
0: Patient advocacy? Right. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, consumer yeah, a lot of the look states, look I'm sure Oregon and...
2: Yeah, and 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 it's it's really a, a big factor uh in states like California that that have had a medical marijuana industry for well what California was 96 and uh, so they have uh well well developed organized patient advocacy groups and they're the ones who've been putting who put pressures on the dispensaries to develop uh testing for their for their products because they're, they're you know looking at it as a medicine uh, there's a lot less leeway for for contaminants or inaccurate results
1: Alright, I'm here with Brian Coyle and Tim Hittenberg from Steep Hill, Alaska. In following this, I've been listening to some national podcasts and Steep Hill was mentioned um their national company. And I was excited hearing that Steep Hill was coming to Alaska. So how did that how did that happen?
2: This was uh... Gosh, I think yeah, about years about ago, a little maybe. over
1: a year ago, so we yeah. were looking
0: to you know get our
1: lab set up and we wanted to
0: have the best procedures one of the, the the most tested procedures for instance for processing different types of products not just flour but different kinds of edibles which are uh, somewhat challenging to do a, a efficient extraction on and we also thought that um, Steep Hill's reputation uh, would be a benefit and we really wanted to have uh, an industry leader present in Alaska. So we partnered with them. Uh, they have a program where they license their intellectual property to uh, labs in other states. How many are there other? No. Oh, let's see. Well,
2: uh, well, Oregon, New Mexico,
0: Massachusetts, yeah. Hawaii, are California. Are they in Nevada yet? I'm
2: not sure. Sh- I think so. I, and they're in I some of the states that
0: are yet. that just have medical programs as well that don't have the um, non medical
2: But we saw a real advantage to using proven methods that uh, they developed over a course of several years rather than trying to start out and develop our own.
1: No, there's something to say for standardization. Yeah, yeah. Yep.
2: I mean, there, there, there are no national organizations like there are in the engineering fields and, uh, or pharmaceuticals, for or that matter. Or any other field, food. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Steep Hill is uh, trying to take the lead on on developing those standards, and uh, we're we're happy to be able to get on board.
1: No, that's what a good time to be involved in in a new industry where we have a chance to affect policy. And it sounds like just talking to you guys immediately, it sounds like it's in good hands. Well, we think
0: that uh, we have really well developed procedures. We have a lot of confidence in our in our numbers that we're putting up.
1: Of the things you're talking about is there's no consumer advocacy groups in Alaska and that's one of the things as being one of two testing companies you guys have the chance to do that for us uh, you're you're setting letting cultivators know what testing you can do how it's coming out and then what we what we can as consumers trust so that's right. what's going on. So
0: yeah, we, we like to think that we are advocating for the consumer for the most accurate testing results that are you know possible technically. Um, if there were uh, an organized consumer advocacy group, they, we assume, would also be advocating for the most accurate numbers. Um, but that doesn't seem to be going on here in Alaska at the moment. Um, people just want the highest possible numbers rather than the most accurate numbers, which uh, has a tendency to distort the market.
1: Yeah, I mean, when someone sees a high THC, I know it pulls me out to the stores. You see a 28% number, you're like, oh, that's the highest it's been in Fairbanks. Let's go check that out.
2: Right, and that, that's exactly it. And it's it's characteristic of, of the early market uh, that uh, the consumers are, are seeking high THC and the, the stores like to have it because it brings people in. And and so the cultivators uh, want that as well because they their product is priced uh, according to the THC content. So... It's uh it it encourages uh the, the search for high THC.
1: How do we educate as far as terpenes? You guys are at the front runner of that, that entourage effect. How do we help?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I uh I have to assume it'll just come with time. Um but that's another thing that I think um we're behind on because of a lack of uh the medical user group here. Medical users are not typically looking for the highest THC levels, like not many of the non-medical users are. They're looking for particular cannabinoid profiles, looking for uh, particular terpene levels, and they're not going to be uh, influenced so much by the, the high THC. In fact, a lot of medical users are staying away from the high THC right. levels. They, and so it's important to them that they know very accurately what the THC levels are in, in products that they're searching
1: for. Is there a certain terpene that we should be looking for that we should be paying attention to?
0: Oh, you know it's uh, terpene research is really in its very early days, especially in the context of uh, consumption along with cannabinoids in, in regular cannabis. Uh, the only research done on on terpenes has been with purified terpenes and um, not uh, consumed as cannabis. but um, we'd encourage everyone to go to the steep Hill, website, either our website or the CKL Global website, and lots of information there about terpenes and their uh, what what is known about their um, potential medical and other beneficial effects. But Yeah, someday maybe we'll be able to say you want a particular terpene for a particular condition or to achieve a particular psychoactive state, but we, we can't really say that yet. But, you know, if we believe that different strains of cannabis do have different effects, then it must be because of their different chemical composition. There's only uh, a few cannabinoids, and again, besides THC, not too much is known about the psychoactive effects of the different cannabinoids. But it's, uh, it, if there are differences in strains, it has to be the combination of the different cannabinoids and the terpenes together. All
1: right. Someday we'll know. Yeah, it, it research, that's what's going to happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> A lot of light has been coming to this idea of testing the discrepancy in numbers between the two testing companies. When there are more testing companies in Alaska, it won't be so black and white when we're looking at charts and we're seeing these discrepancies show up. You testified at the last Cannabis Control Board meeting.
3: My name is Brian Coyle, I'm owner of Steep Hill, Alaska Cannabis Testing Lab. I'm here today to share some information I have that I think will be of interest to you. It's quite a bit of it. Minute, uh,
1: excuse me, I'm going to interrupt you just sorry. for a second. Just um, we're going to limit this like to uh, three minutes, so. Um, okay,
3: I I realize yeah, that. For everybody, not
1: just you. <laughs> Thanks. I got my
3: timer here. Right, I'll do the go. best I can. Right, thank
1: you.
3: I have uh, quite a bit of material, so I've have some handouts for you, takeaways, and you can read at your leisure. And I've written out what I'm going to say, so. Uh, Our goal at Steep Hill is to ensure safe and accurately tested cannabis for the protection of cannabis consumers. We're in the business of quality assurance and work with cultivators, producers, and the regulators to achieve the best results for the consumers. Our mission is to use industry-leading science to measure cannabinoids and screen for pathogens in order to ensure a safer product for cannabis consumers. I think that's something that we all want in this industry. At the last Marijuana Control Board meeting in September, it was brought to our attention by public comment that there were some great differences between potency results coming out from the different testing labs. Consumers were concerned that they did not know which results to believe. So following that meeting, cultivators sent us reports on duplicate samples that they had previously sent to both testing labs. These reports showed very different results for total THC content. We shared this information with AMCO, and ask them to initiate a, a monitoring program, Secret Shopper is a, is a common name for it, to investigate the inconsistencies. We also asked them to begin requiring proficiency testing of all the labs in order to, act, to verify accuracy of lab results. Today, we have no indication that either of these suggestions have been implemented. I realized that uh, Director McConnell put in the Director's report a note about testing labs and I appreciate that. But we think this issue is very urgent and needs to be addressed more immediately. Later in October, consumers brought us off-the-shelf samples of flour that were labeled with surprisingly high total THC content. We tested these products, and our results, again, were very different from numbers on the labels. We ultimately ended up testing 17 different retail samples, and only five of those samples tested within 20 percent of the labeled THC. All the rest were higher. Some were very much higher. Many were more than 40% higher than the retested values, and the most shocking sample tested less than 50% of what was shown on the label. We don't like being the ones to bring up this issue, but we feel we have a responsibility to the cannabis consumers to ensure they have accurate information. This is particularly important for medical users who need accurate information to monitor their dosage and to measure the therapeutic effects. In other states, Patient advocacy groups or lab associations have taken the lead, but with only two labs in Alaska and no strong consumer groups, our options are severely limited, and we feel we have no choice but to speak up on this matter. Further, when the labels on retail products do not match what is in the package, then the entire industry rests on a shaky foundation. If consumers cannot trust what's on the labels that are on the products on retail shelves, then what's their incentive to leave the black market and participate in the legal market? We urge the marijuana control board and AMCO to immediately investigate these differences and to act to bring credibility back to this industry. Testing lands that put out questionable results is well documented in other states that have legalized cannabis. The common denominator in all cases was a lack of enforcement. With no enforcement, regulations have no teeth and and thus present no deterrent. Particularly good example is what the state of Washington has gone through in the past two years.
1: Have and I have. To, I'm have okay,
3: up. I'm done. I have that information here for you guys to look at at your leisure. I also have this statement that I just read, as well as the test data that I mentioned, and um, I hope you'll take a look at and consider it. Okay. Is there any questions for Mr. Coyle?
1: You bring those. Packets board, please, I guess it was just bringing light to it you again being a consumer advocate to say what's going on we're noticing things we're getting tests we're asking you guys to do something, and at this point it doesn 't look like they 've done anything, and you guys have gone about it yourself to do some testing
2: that's yeah that's pretty much uh, how how it came to be the, uh, the it, was, it was it was actually initiated uh, by, by consumers uh, who came to us and said, hey, what's going on with these high numbers? Uh, you know, we don't we don't really believe these and, and wanted us to, to run some tests. And same thing has happened with uh, some cultivators who sent samples to both labs and showed us the, the results from the other lab and we compared it to ours. And that's that was the other part of the testimony. We're really just trying to give a wake up call to the uh, regulators and let them know that uh, they there's room for them to improve the regulation. Not not just that, but there's... It's,
0: it's the enforcement of the regulations. There you so go. The regulations can improve, but even with the current regulations, enforcement is completely lacking. I don't think it's too strong to say that the current system of potency testing and labeling is broken in Alaska.
2: And there's and it, it, I don't want you to, to just focus on the labs at this point, because it actually it passes through a number of different hands, the uh, the, the cultivators pick the the random sample and send it to the lab. The lab tests Supposedly it. Supposedly random sample. Yeah, and put some numbers out there, and then uh, someone decides what to put on the label. And apparently, there's some uh, discussion now, controversy about uh, what total THC means on the label. I mean, we have a we have a scientific definition that's or or not well, it's well, an industry standard yeah. definition. But people are putting total cannabinoids and adding THC to THCA without uh, taking into account the decarboxylation loss of mass on the THCA, and I think it's just you know it's all in the uh, the desire to get the highest number on there possible. It
1: does sound like both both testing companies are using the same formula to get home up with that total THC number, correct?
2: Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's not something that we invented. It's, uh, that's
1: chemistry. So let's talk about that. Regs are talking about a sample gets sent from the cultivators to one of the two testing companies, their choice. You are one piece of that giant puzzle of going together, what the consumer finally gets. The consumer never touches that sample that you guys test. You're just testing what you're given. And then it goes back to a much yep. larger batch that they're pulling product from.
0: Yeah, they, you know, we all like to think that the sample is representative of the batch, but a harvest batch can be, there's no limit on the number of pounds, apparently, the harvest batch can, can be. So uh, it, it, would, it would be a stretch to imagine that uh, a sample is truly representative of the entire batch.
2: Yeah, especially if we're, I mean, we're only asking for four-gram samples, and I think that the other lab is as well, and that was uh, based on our initial understanding that there were five-pound limits to the packages that could be represented by a single test. And that was uh, really more of a minimum than anything else. And uh, if they're going to be trying to actually characterize larger batches, they're going to need to take multiple
0: samples. Right. In fact, the uh, regulations that are being developed for Oregon right now, which I think are some of the most well thought out to date, uh, call for a number of samples proportionate to the size of the batch. Far more sampling than, than Alaska currently calls for.
1: That makes complete sense, Proportion. What that
0: means is there's going to be more testing and more costs, and um, people in in the industry are not going to like it.
1: Well, hearing this first, it really goes at the limited cultivator. I mean, when they can only produce a certain batch, and they're sending you this uh, sample from their batch, and then you go up against these dinosaur cultivators, and their batches are so much larger compared to that sample. So just testing alone, the testing costs are much larger for the limited
0: it, it's really hard to say. It's going to just depend on how the grower approaches it, what the testing costs add up to be uh, for the whole batch. Yeah, you
1: got, I guess you guys have no idea. I guess you guys kind of see it metric how much the batch is, but it's not necessarily relevant. You guys don't pay attention to that number too much. I don't think we have access to that oh, information. Oh, really? You just see the sample? Yeah, we don't see that. Oh, OK.
2: No, nope. we just see the name. You
1: see the sample, and then you have no idea how big that ba- batch goes back to. Right. Right. Interesting.
2: And actually the same the same uh, sort of sampling idea applies to manufactured products where where if you have a a batch of a certain size i mean our our recommendation is that you move to a testing of the more of a process validation testing where you would test larger number of samples for a larger batch not just have a a number based on the packaging
1: no right that 's got to be tough for those the um... The manufacturers to hit that number each time in a um, in a product in an edible.
0: Well, you know, I think we're all just going to have to face the fact that lots more testing is going to need to be done, and it's not a place to cut corners and to try to uh, save pennies.
2: Right, because right, it's a health and safety issue for the consumers, and uh, you know, we're just we're just talking about potency testing right now, and that's just scratching the surface. Where there's There's uh, more solvents that we should be testing for. In extracts. There's the pesticide issue, which is uh, big in all of the other states now, and that's going to be a a significant increase in in testing requirements when that gets to Alaska.
0: Some states require tests for heavy metals in cannabis, or um, some some states require tests for uh, mycotoxins.
2: Yeah. Those are all things that are going to be... really hazardous to someone who's using it for therapeutic properties or effects, if they're immunocompromised, that's that can have a really harmful effect on them.
1: No, you can't advertise that you're growing organic, but then you, you're not required to put what you're putting into it, so that's not good. Mm. So I guess we'll see that in the we- next coming. We'll see pesticides, testing for pesticides, right? And, um, solvents. Well, at some
0: point, I don't know that it's on the uh, the agenda for uh, marijuana control board to consider anytime soon.
1: No, oh, wow. just just sitting out there, huh? We're not really following what's happening in other places. Nope, not very closely. Thanks again for doing that, then pointing it out. This is something where a consumer advocacy
2: group would be uh, mm-hmm. the people taking the lead on it.
1: Oh yeah, what? Um, yeah, especially what? What are the ones in Oregon? Do you know offhand? And Colorado. Oh.
2: Oh you okay. no. Uh, United Patients Group, I think is the name of a big well, one in California.
0: There's a there are national groups. United Patients Group, um Americans for Safe Access are uh, the national patients groups I'm aware of. Okay.
1: Do some research on it. Yeah, we, we definitely need it. We need something we need people speaking up and the industry is not always gonna do that.
0: No. Um it doesn't seem like it.
2: worse in and so there are some uh, medically oriented cultivators and extractors who are going to be coming online in the next couple of months or 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 sooner some of them who are very interested in accuracy and consistency and you know having uh assurances that the product is clean so we're hoping uh, that that will, will help give a push in the right
3: direction.
1: Yeah, there's no regulation saying you need to have that done, and there's no, there's no discrepancy between uh, medical and recreational here in Alaska, but it will allow cultivators to stand out, right? Sure,
0: yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that will be attractive to a lot of uh, customers.
1: Yeah, well, that would be nice to see, a, um, to see to see a retail store that is completely medical. You need to have a medical card to walk in. I wonder if someone's going to go that far. Um,
0: I don't know that there would be any basis to restrict it to medical users, but I think if you could advertise and and assure consumers that it met higher standards uh, for accuracy, of potency, and for these other tests we've mentioned, that people you know might pay a premium.
1: No, I, I think mm. you're right. Give
0: us the means of
2: think it's crucial to require labs up here to do proficiency testing. It, uh, dem- it's a demonstration of the lab's ability to produce an
1: accurate result and... Uh, is that the Emerald test?
0: Yes, the Emerald test is the industry standard. It's really the only proficiency test that I know about right now and uh, you know I know that CanTest has mentioned uh, that proficiency testing doesn't test every single step from, from flower to chromatogram. But um, it tests quite a bit. So in the Emerald test, uh, this, uh, Emerald sends out a solvent uh, containing, well, unknown to the to the to the test lab, unknown amounts of uh, what's five cannabinoids. Five cannabinoids, yeah. And we have to, you know, uh, come up with the appropriate dilution um, and run it through our instruments, and then, based on our calibration curve that we use for all of our all of our tests, determine the. Quantity of each of the cannabinoids present. So, right, it doesn't um, test the extract step, but I mean, really, the the more difficult steps. It, it tests your instrument. It tests your calibration. It tests your ability to interpret a chromatogram. Um, and, it, again, it's the standard that is required in a, at least four other states. Yep. Yeah, all uh, the other West Coast states are requiring it. So, right, it's not perfect, but that's no reason to avoid uh, requiring it here. No, yeah,
1: thank you for taking time to, to explain that. Uh, that was something that was kind of uh, shined over when I was talking to Kent Test, And I would I'd agree with you. If there are standards mm-hmm. that you can achieve and if other industries are doing, if other states are yeah. using this, why not?
0: Right. We have, we have uh, voluntarily taken the Emerald test. We have badges for potency testing and uh, microbial testing. Um, Emerald just completed another round of uh, testing that we participated in. They haven't um, um, awarded badges yet, but we're doing it as an ongo- ongoing practice in our lab, um, you know, for our own benefit. If, if, even if nobody else cares, we want to know that we're doing the very best science we can. We hope other people care.
1: No right. I mean, that's what you you're, you do a craft. Right. You guys are craftsmen as much as as anyone else in this industry. You're creating the policy, doing what you guys do, and people are deciding with their with their money.
0: You know, I, I hope people are making the uh, the best decisions uh, on how to spend their money. I, you know, rather again, just being drawn to the highest THC numbers. Um, I was at the cannabis science conference in Portland at the end of August. And had a lot of great information, a lot of speakers from all over the all over the world really and uh, one of them was the director of the test lab in California uh, that is um, contracted to do all of the testing for the emerald Cup, which is of course their big cannabis cup that they do there every year in northern california and uh, This uh, lab director pointed out that when you look at the winners of the emerald cup the the different strains that are entered, the ones that win. They don't really stand out from the non-winning entries in terms of their THC content, but what really sets Emerald Cup winners apart from your run-of-the-mill herb is the terpene levels. So we hope that's what people will learn to start looking for. If they want to be smoking like an Emerald Cup judge, they should be looking for high terpene levels.
1: Mm. It's hard to even find that number. Oh. I'm glad some of the retail stores and some of the dispensaries are putting that out and
0: well, it's it's at the discretion of the grower to request that uh, that that's test. That's true, right. That's additional, additional analysis we need to perform on the samples. In some cases, we need to, depending on what terpenes they want to know, uh, we have to run it through a separate instrument. So, yeah, that's why it's not on all the labels. But again, it's a matter of consumer demand. If consumers learn that that's what distinguishes high-quality weed, or one of the factors, not just high THC levels, then they'll be coming to their stores and asking for it, asking their bud tenders, hey, what you got that's got a terpene profile? And then word will get around get back to the growers that they need to start um, analyzing for terpenes and also selecting for product that does have interesting terpene levels.
1: Is that standard, the higher the terpene, the better? Is there any kind of counter?
0: Well, like I just said, the uh, the Emerald Cup winners stand out for high terpene levels. Of course, terpenes are what give the product its aroma and distinctive taste. Everybody, you know, is always raving about uh, the taste and the smell. And, um, you know, even though we don't know exactly how uh, what effect individual terpenes have or combinations of terpenes have on the the effect that it provides, um, so the kind of lift, the kind of buzz it gives, it's got to have a big role and you know like I said someday we may know exactly what terpene to look for and what you know what level of cannabinoids and what level of terpenes are going to give you a specific effect. Right now people just have to go by their experience but I would encourage people not just go by a name of a a strain because of course strain names are pretty loosely applied it's been shown but if you can know what particular terpene levels and cannabinoid levels you find give you the most pleasing sensations, then that's something you can look for time after time.
1: That's something I'd ask you guys. The way the way you said that, strain names are used loosely. I've been seeing a lot of Alaskan names branded onto any kind of Alaskan named strain. What do you guys feel about that? Should we have the strain name and it stays like that, or should we be able to name it whatever we want?
0: Well, I, I don't. I don't care what people name their strains. But my point is that strain names can be applied uh, at the discretion of the the grower or the seller. Nope. There's no way of checking to see if a strain name corresponds to anything in the actual history of that plant.
2: And very few of the hybrids are really stable, so that you can you can depend on crossing them and getting the uh, very similar profile. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, obviously, as long as you're pulling from clones, you're going to have the same genetics. But uh, there there's so many hybrids out there that are just barely past F2s that I I wouldn't put a lot of uh I wouldn't count a lot on a strain name telling you what's in it
1: so we just have to really yeah. just start looking at those numbers i wonder if cannabis will start being named differently soon like just by those uh terpenes
2: well the genetic the, the DNA guys who are looking at the at the genes have, have uh Pretty much discounted the the whole indica sativa dichotomy that uh, anecdotally has been developed by by users. There's lots of uh, hybrids that 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 are supposedly, you know, in one camp or the other. But when you look at the the, the gene profile, it's it's clearly not. So that's that's something that's ongoing. Uh, you know, more research, more time will give us more information on that and. Uh, I'd I'd say after that, then maybe we'll get to some sort of a a more informative naming convention.
0: And this idea that since you can't go by the the names with any reliability, you really have to look at the the chemical composition. Again, cannabinoids, terpenes, that's what makes those numbers so important, so vital that they be accurate. I mean, if if you want to have any idea at all what you're smoking, uh, consumers have to be able to, to believe those numbers and trust those numbers.
1: How far off were the numbers for those who haven't looked at the chart? Can you? It's hard to explain numbers on an audio thing, but can you go briefly into it? Yeah. Well, so um, we
0: tested 17 different retail samples, and only five of them tested within 20% of the labeled total THC. Uh, Many were more than 40%, labeled more than 40% higher than the, the test values we came up with. And the most shocking sample tested at less than half of what was shown on the label wow
1: that's going into a retail store, picking something off the shelf, going back it exactly yeah you know and again those those
0: discrepancies are far beyond what could be attributed to you know adding THCA to t h c without correcting or to any um variation due to moisture content those they're just there's just no excuse for those numbers being that far off?
1: No, and oh wow, how do you even, where do you even, I guess shining a light on it is the best, right? Educating it because... Well,
0: that's what we're doing, you know, we we didn't initially plan to um, make uh, declaring this at the Marijuana Control Board our first step. We had approached the uh, Alcohol and Marijuana Control Office, we've approached the Industry Associations, the AMIA, ACBA, and asked them to join us in investigating this, you know, people are uh, by nature um, cautious and slow moving and not wanting to rock the boat. And so eventually we felt that we were forced to publicize this on our own. It, it definitely was not our choice to, to do this initially. But um, again, for the consumer out there, it's merely it's a, these numbers are so far off. we look at it as a matter of consumer fraud. I don't know whether it's intentional or not. I would hope not, but they're really way off. You
1: no know, one of the biggest things the, the discrepancy I see is the way you have one test for the whole plant, and people can put what uh, most people would call trim, and it's getting classified as that higher number because of the way regulations are yep. written
0: well. Some of these samples that I described that are way off, there—it's not a matter of like a pre-roll that has trim mixed in. These were, you know, we these were buds that we were sampling. Um, so it's. Oh no! I'm you sure know, you cases,
1: guys are seeing some of the top, the the best quality bud in the state. You guys have got to be seeing it.
0: Well, right. No, when they when they send it in to be tested, I'm sure people are picking the buds that they think should be best. But I mean, I I don't see how even a, a lower down bud could be less than half of the concentration of the sample ah,
1: good point fair enough i i guess the more data you collect you're going to start noticing which cultivator which retail stores so you can you can pin it down to where it's happening
0: well we don't uh, we don't plan to um, take on that <laughs> no not you guys ourselves we really want um, the uh, the state to to step in and enforce the regulations that they've set up you know regulations without enforcement are uh, pretty useless, in fact maybe worse than useless because they lull people into a state of complacency.
2: And this of this, this, uh, discrepancies between testing labs, is it's, it's, it's arisen in uh, every other state that's legalized marijuana. And, oh yeah. Uh, so it's not, it's not unique to Alaska. Uh, what is consistent across uh, the other states as well is that it's a lack of enforcement that uh, enables it to flourish.
1: If it's happening in other states, what happens next? What's the time, What does history tell us? What's going to happen?
0: Well, I don't believe in any of the states that it has actually been the state enforcement agency that has taken the lead on investigating it. Um, in Washington, it, for instance, it happened earlier this year that, uh, oh, a number of labs. Um, well, it was, they 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 got RGD to come in and do an audit
2: mm-hmm. of a couple of labs that had were putting mm-hmm. out. S- Suspiciously high numbers
0: over a period of time Mm -hmm. and there's a a guy named uh, Jim McCray who's a a statistical analysis uh, Analyst who looked at the uh, distribution of test results that were produced by different labs and clearly showed that uh, One or was it just one or some more? No, there were I think there were three that that had a history of producing higher test results than the others So that's that's a red flag
2: and those links are are on that testimony I gave and gave to the handout to the board.
1: Oh, well, yeah, that's when you're looking at that many testing companies being tested that way. There's definitely problems with the testing companies,
0: right? And so that's you know one problem we have here in Alaska is there's just the two companies. We can't have a sort of a develop a consensus among a larger number of companies about what the proper range for test results should be. That's that's really I mean we really have a very weak system here for potency just two labs essentially no enforcement the labs and, then, and the growers are expected to follow an honor system and do their own quality control and if if any one of those pieces is not working the whole thing ceases to work effectively
2: Right and the other states have also gone to having labs collect the samples they're uh, they're not letting cultivators pick their own samples to send into the labs. And that, uh, you know, I know, it's, it, I know it's difficult in Alaska with uh, the folks who are off the road system, but there really is no other way to ensure that you're actually getting representative samples.
0: I mean, in the most egregious case, uh, it's been shown that some growers, when they send their samples in, actually adulterate the samples for higher uh, potency test results. Uh, so that's another thing that party sampling would prevent.
1: That happened in Alaska or that was caught down? in Norway?
0: No, no. We don't have to know that that's happened in Alaska, but that's – it's – All right. It has happened. Right.
1: And where it happens – if it happens one place, it can happen in another place.
0: Sure. And, you know, um, anywhere in the country, word gets around. If something works one place, people are uh, in Alaska are going to know about it. Uh,
1: it seems that we have to be demanding enforcement then. And then uh, they keep saying we don't have the money to do it, but once you start penalizing the industry – it'll correct itself and then you'll gain money to do that.
0: You know, it's, it's not a place to cut corners, enforcement uh, of testing. It's, it has a potential to completely undermine confidence in the industry. This industry is, you know, not completely accepted uh, as a legitimate industry uh, by all corners of the political spectrum hmm. here in Alaska. Uh, I don't think that we can afford to be slacking off on uh, testing and other areas that leave us open to criticism as an industry. If the regulated industry wants to grow and also to attract uh, consumers who are currently still using the unregulated industry, uh, we've got to do our very best to show people that it is worthwhile to spend their money in regulated stores. If people can't believe the test numbers that they see on packages, they've, they've got practically no reason to uh, come to regulated stores.
1: You think you could come up with some percentage that would be off if you say it's going to be 15 and you're off by more than five, then you have to pay some fine and make the the cultivator, retailer pay the, the cost of the testing. It, I think it could be done. Use the university it to do it. could be done. Or whatever. You know, and
0: again, the, the steps are pretty simple. Proficiency testing for the labs. Everybody has to do the Emerald test. Just as it is required in uh, most other states, there can be samples taken retail it's samples kind of taken product. from stores yeah. and retested it doesn't even have to be at a, a state lab or anything just send them back to the labs and see if they come up with the same numbers Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah you should come up with the same number uh close to the same numbers mm-hmm. yeah definitely
0: urging the Marijuana Control Board and the Enforcement Office to take these steps sooner rather than later. It seems like nobody besides us is in a hurry to see this get fixed, and that's um, really a shame. The longer it goes on, the more uncertainty there is. I mean, it sounds like there are people who would rather just not have us rock the boat. They like things the way they are. They like those high numbers, um, but you know, to, uh, to the consumer who's feeling maybe disappointed that the uh, learned that the, what they thought was 25-30% THC weed isn't what they actually getting. You know, to you, I, I have to say, this really isn't about you. Once we get this all straightened out, once we get the numbers right, you're going to be getting just as stoned as you were all along. <laughs> right. But this is really about the, the medical user, like we said, who needs to know what their dose is. This is about, say, the, the tourists coming to Alaska who are unfamiliar. Uh, maybe you 've never used marijuana before haven 't used it much and uh, they don 't want to be misled by uh, inaccurate numbers and and again it 's about the the survival really and the strength and the growth of this industry as a as a legitimate regulated industry that 's what it 's about so if you 're sorry to see those thirty percent numbers go away and we hope they do go away unless they really are exceptional world class samples. this is just a a phase we're going through. We course correction.
1: Yeah, course correction. What is the highest top shelf that you guys have tested there? What's the, the highest number came out
0: that
2: we've right. gotten?
1: Um, for, I don't know what
0: to say here
2: for for t- total
1: THC. I want to I want to say twenty eight something for total THC. Yeah, that's that sounds okay. about the highest that I've that I've seen around here. It was nothing yeah. over twenty nine that I've seen. No, it's the unfair banks. And again,
0: those, those are exceptional.
1: Yeah. Are you guys cannabis consumers?
0: Oh yeah, I've been a cannabis consumer since I was uh, a teenager. You know, not at any kind of high level, and less and less as the years go by. That
1: sounded like it being an activist the way you
0: are. <laughs> yeah,
2: I was a consumer in college. Pretty much uh, left it left it behind for about thirty years while I had my engineering research career, and then uh, picked it up again a couple of years ago with uh, with the onset of. Uh, a little bit of old age and arthritis and uh, cold weather up here, and so I, I I use it at night to help me sleep. What
1: are, what are your favorite ways to consume? I like the the herb
2: uh, vape.
1: Ah, they're becoming popular. What is it? Packs. Packs, I think, is what it's called. Are you are you guys? I mean, because you guys are seeing the best in the state, so being consumers yourself, you've got to be salivating sometimes. Seeing you guys get all giddy sometimes. <laughs> or has, or has
0: um, it just the... I don't know to approach it like that. Um,
2: Not giddy, but I mean, we, we definitely notice the ones that are that are really stacked trichomes.
0: And... You know, to me, I, I uh, for me, it's really just the fact that we now, after all these decades of working towards it, do have a, a legal regulated industry. That's what makes me giddy. Nah, right. uh, you know, this has been a long time coming. I really want to see it work out. I hate to see these... Uh, uh, see us backtrack and have uh, any any reason to question the progress of the growth of the industry as a regulated accepted industry
1: no i think in general the other company uh the other testing company took a hit just seeing the basic numbers a lot of people just didn't trust those numbers i'm guessing if the regulations aren't that way people like paying for those i don't, I don't even know how to say it it's a hard thing to even talk about but i'm glad you guys are bringing the
0: yeah, well, we're we're um, going to continue to um, publicize it as much as possible until uh, we can get it straightened out, and um, we hope that people understand that this is just something that needs to be done. Again, if it's uh, if it ends up rocking anybody's boat, no good. That's that's it. that's just a situation we're all just going to have to live through.
1: Are you working at all with the new testing company coming on? Have you been talking with them?
0: Well, I know that. Oh, the new one coming on. Um, new front uh, Frontier Labs.
2: I've 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 uh, talked to those those two women who who own it uh, a number of times and uh, they they come out of uh, uh, medical medical
0: testing.
2: I want to say, I guess medical field
0: yeah medical laboratory testing I believe
2: so they're they are also very concerned with with having accurate consistent results and because uh, they're looking at uh, therapeutic effects on customers so we're yeah I I think they'll be a good addition to the
0: to the testing labs in the state, and even just having three instead of two labs will make a huge difference. Cause then Agreed. It's just one lab against the other. All
1: right. It becomes yeah. It become so You absurd.
0: know, I know that, I know that is, uh, has called for um, us to work with them to come up with cooper- work cooperatively to come up with an answer to this and. Uh, and, you know, that's fine. I, I don't know exactly what they have in mind. We certainly have suggestions, like we've said, proficiency testing and the like. Um, I'm open to working with them. I've been uh, trying to get in touch with them since Thanksgiving, and um, I hope that we can move forward on that soon.
1: Yeah, I feel you guys will. Both of you guys are bringing transparency to it. I, I feel that way. Yeah, thank you for bringing, yeah. bringing standardization. You know, consumer advocates, I I wouldn't feel like it would come from the testing guys, but I'm so happy it is. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, no, it's it's absolutely we're uh, absolutely our job to ensure accuracy and and in a sense advocate for the consumer. You know, this is it's in the interest of the consumer that the numbers be accurate. But there has to be there has to be consumer demand for it. There has to be uh, advocacy for regulation, and it's got to come from somebody besides just us.
1: You're right. I I, I think it will. I it, it will. It's got to. People have been talking about it, and a lot of people have been slam down for it but maybe it's just the way we're going about it we need to get those advocacy groups going be more polished yeah yeah well if
0: there's you know if there's anything that um, that we can do if people are interested in learning more about this they're they're free to contact our lab and uh, for instance anybody in the medical community who would like to get involved in this situation we'd love to work with i i have met with uh, some healthcare providers up in palmer recently and they're interested in um, potentially developing some advocacy and also more patient information forms.
1: and just making it easier for people to walk in and know what they're getting. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of just a lot of basic education. You know, uh, those of us in the industry, have been work, you know working with us for so long that you know you know THC from cannabinoids and how they're which ones are psycho you know only that only THC is psychoactive and what. Is known about the other cannabinoids, but um, honestly, anybody who's new to this, any new, uh, relatively new to it, um, is not going to know that. And there's a lot of misinformation out there that um, that people have come across. So just, really, just the basics uh, needs to be provided um, uh, frequently. Do you guys
1: do testing for home grows?
0: Oh yeah, we do personal testing as yeah. So there's the uh, the commercial samples that come in with the metric numbers, but then there's people who either Winchester home grow or
2: or we had we've had uh creatures. a number of uh FICO samples the full full plant extract uh nice people who are who are doing that bring in their samples to us
1: Well, um again thank you guys so much for being the professionals you are trying to bring standardization consumer advocacy again brian and tim from steep hill alaska thank you for what you guys are doing
0: well, thanks for giving us the opportunity. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Yeah,
1: good talking yeah, to you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Hey, take All right. care. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. Hey, hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Token. You can listen to more episodes on SoundCloud and Far North Like me on Facebook. Search Mint Token." Here's token. Safe.